Hey everyone, thanks for coming back to Real Leaders. I'm Sue Heilbronner, your host, and Real Leaders is the podcast that brings you the story behind the story of some of the most authentic, innovative leaders in the world. Now, it's worth noting, the bar for innovation has gone up just a little bit. We are smack in the midst of a global pandemic, and I was highly motivated to bring you a story of two entrepreneurs that I think have adapted as well as any entrepreneurs I know to our new current reality. As always, the Real Leaders Podcast is sponsored by Leadership Camp. Learn more at leadership.camp. And as a special on May 26th, we'll be running a virtual mini camp. If you or your company have been adversely affected by the economic situation, you can sign up for that camp, use the keyword promo code COFFEE, and join us at minicamp for just $4 price of a cup of coffee. Now, before we jump in with this week's episode, I want to make one more ask. If you like this show, if you listen to it, go and review this show on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot. Now, on to the really interesting stuff. Today, I'm joined by Jerry and Nicole Weinhold of Yogapod, and I'm so happy to be joined by you all. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, we're happy to um, participate with you, Sue. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Wonderful. So in full and fair disclosure, I am an ex-federal prosecutor. I have been an avid customer of Yogapod here in Boulder, Colorado since 2016. Uh, I had forgotten that. So I'm even more impressed with myself since, I don't know, yoga only became part of my life very, very late in life. But it's become an almost daily part of my life, largely because of you, Jerry and Nicole. So this is really exciting for me. So, so you know, actually looked up your account and... Your, your first class was April 24th of 2014. Whoa, that's, <laughs> wow. I'm, I can't call myself a newbie. I can't make excuses for my tight hamstrings by saying I'm a newbie anymore. All right, well, let's dive in. So I'd love for you all each to tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves as individuals, then how you met your husband-wife team in your business. So let's start there. Well, you know, um, I grew up in Baltimore and... Um, moved to Denver in 2004 and was out dancing one night at a dance club in Denver. You know, coming to Denver completely, it was representation of me just changing my life dramatically. I became a vegetarian. I started doing yoga and I was at a club in Denver and I met this amazing woman on the dance floor. And that happened to be Nicole. We danced the whole night together and I asked her to dinner the following day and uh, she was living in Fort Collins at the time. I drove up, we had an amazing experience over dinner. And then six months later, we were married. Wow. <laughs> so that, that was in 2005. So we're um, 15 years strong. Wow. <laughs> and you've survived so far sheltering in place, which is even more impressive, let's be honest. That's so, that's so true. You know, it's <laughs> not hard for us though, Sue, because we're pretty inseparable. We're really joined at the hip. and have been from day one and when we got married we went to italy on our honeymoon in 2005 and we defined very intentionally defined our vision for our, for the future both personally and professionally and in that vision that we wrote um there on our honeymoon we kind of laid out the vision for a yoga studio and a scaling of the concept and a yoga brand so that's when it all happened wow that's great to know. Uh, what were each of you doing before you decided to dive into this yoga experience as a business? Mm. 
Well, so I lived in Fort Collins. I was working as an executive assistant for um, Pat Stryker and the Bohemian Companies and Bohemian Foundation in Fort Collins before I met Jerry. And then when I met Jerry, I joined his company. Um, he can tell you a little bit about that. That was kind of the, the start of our journey of working together as husband and wife and as partners before we launched into the yoga business, which was in 2010. Yeah, and I was, uh, I had a company called PEP. PEP is an acronym for Purpose, Excellence, and Passion. And I was doing leadership development, consulting, a lot of mission, vision work, primarily for sales organizations and did sales training and negotiation training, this type of thing. And I was doing it for companies all over the country and internationally as well. So we did a lot of traveling and a lot of motivational presentations and speaking. And uh, I asked Nicole to join me because when we decided that we would unite our lives, we did not want to be traveling apart. She was traveling a lot for Pat Stryker, Pat Stryker, the billionaire. She was traveling on her her private jets all over the place. And, and I was flying coach and I said, look, man, we got to make sure this is going to be compatible. So Nicole was, she got the vision and, and was gracious enough to join my company. And so work with me in the consulting business. And we did that for several years while we were ramping up the vision for Yogapod. Did Yogapod start as a physical location immediately? I mean, what's interesting to me is the work that you were doing as a consultant or an inspirational speaker, whatever that is, had a lot less risk than a business where you have a brick and mortar location, lots of employees. How did you make that transition? Yeah, it, it did. Um, it started as a studio. We, we actually acquired a one-room studio here in Boulder, Colorado, and it was roughly 2,000 square feet, I believe. Um, called Yogapod. And that purchase, that acquisition took place in 2000, in early 2010, February to be exact of 2010. And because of our vision that we defined on our honeymoon, we decided we definitely wanted to have a business together, something that was that was important to us in our lives and that would enrich the lives of others. And so owning a yoga studio was very high up there on our list of things that we wanted to do together. Um, we were not exactly quite ready at that point when that opportunity presented itself into, in, well, it was actually late 2009 when that opportunity presented itself. But we, um, we made the sacrifices necessary in order to acquire that, that business. So in February of 2010, we bought a one-room studio called Yogapod here in Boulder. And about a year and a couple months later, we expanded that space to a, just under 6,000 square foot space and um, a three-room studio and increased our teaching staff, the opportunity for our students to be a part of our community. The studio, when we purchased it, it had been operating for about maybe 18 months and, and had a little bit of a different vibe. Um, so when we came in and purchased the studio, we kind of brought our, our personality and brought on a whole host of amazing teachers that many of which are still with us today. You may know that I travel all over the country. I travel all over the world. I now, apparently ever since 2014, try to do yoga almost everywhere I go including the Bay Area, places where, you know, yoga is not a small thing. And I have never found the concentration level of excellence in any studio, almost without exception, as you have at Yogapod. And I'm curious why you think that is. 
Well, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to hear you say that. Thank you. Um, in fact, we've been hearing it a lot, especially lately because of the live streaming. We've received so many texts and emails from folks that have been with us in the last decade, have moved away, certainly out of state, but even out of the country. We've heard from Germany and the Netherlands, Scotland, the UK. It's just incredible how many students have said to us, thank you for live streaming because I can reconnect with the yoga studio that, that they've most enjoyed and most loved in their yoga journey. So that's quite humbling for us. Um, to answer your question why, all I can say is that Nicole and I have, have brought our authentic selves to this business. Um, we've been very, very intentional about what we wanted to create. We believe in the principles of vision, you know, defining something, being very proactive about defining a vision that we want for the future something that's very different than what we've ever experienced before. Um, and so in, in making that happen, we realize that we as just two individuals are, are limited in, in our talent and our ability. Um, so we knew we had to attract the right kind of people to support this vision, the right kind of talent and align the right talent with the roles, whether it be staff, whether it be teachers, and then certainly how we would appeal to what we have predefined as the student uh, profile that we wanted to attract. So I think the intentionality of all that is, has been a critical foundation to, to the realization of what we're, what we're all experiencing with yoga pot now. Yeah. And if I could just add to that a little bit, um, Sue, you know, Jerry and I, when we, when we acquired the studio, we knew that we didn't want the studio to be about us. And we knew that there are a lot of talented, wonderful people in this community that would help lift up the studio and build it up to where it is today. And so we sought them out. We went around everywhere in Boulder. We got to know everybody and we just always talked yoga pot. We still do. <laughs> We're guilty of that. And we just, you know, we, we believed in it with all our heart and soul. And we found teachers that were mature, that were becoming mature in their practice and in their teaching abilities. And we brought them on and we gave them a home. We gave them a home to spread their wings and share their creativity with the, um, the students in this community. And as a result of that, these teachers are, again, many of them still with us, still teaching and have had a following for, for 10 years. So we're just really grateful for their loyalty because we give it back to them. We take very good care of our teachers. Um, we, we pay them well and we, um, you know, we just give them a home and we give them that, we give them that freedom mm -hmm. to be who they are. And I think our students really, really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. I've only done one other fitness wellness interview on this podcast and it was with Aaron Carson of Rally Sport. You probably mm -hmm. know Aaron. Yeah. And we really followed a very similar theme. Like you, she has had personal trainers who have been with her for the entire life of that very large gym that trains mostly professional athletes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just incredibly unique. Where I, I mostly spend my time in tech companies, I find these lessons about how to cultivate loyalty in a business like yours to be amazingly instructive across our economy. So I, I probably will dig into that a little bit. I'd like you to describe the vibe. You alluded to knowing the vibe you wanted to create, and I have my own story about what it feels like, but I wonder if you could share your intention. Yeah, you know, the, the studio that we acquired, um, we got to know the previous owners who were from South Africa and wonderful people, amazing uh, yogis, amazing athletes, just uh, kind of extraordinary, charismatic individuals. 
And then we developed a relationship with them because they knew we were doing consulting work for, for franchises and, and they were interested in scaling their concepts. So we, we started out kind of a, a very um, professional relationship with them. And, and uh, they brought Nicole on as a teacher at the studio, one of the first teachers there. And of course, I was a student and we began to realize that the culture that they were creating was was powerful and it was was strong, but it was also um, very uh, exclusive. That is, they we, we noticed that they were appealing to to the type of student that was really um, kind of superior in their yoga practice as far as alignment and physique and so on. And we, we realized that we wanted to be much broader and much more inclusive. And we wanted to appeal to a broader range of, of students. And that was really informative to us as we, you know, began to massage our vision um, for the business and get very, very meticulous and detailed about what it is that we wanted and the vibe we wanted to feel. So I would say right off the bat, just, just we wanted it to be very inclusive. We wanted people to come in the front door and feel warm, feel, feel welcomed with genuine uh, authentic um, spirit of acceptance and, you know, really it sounds corny, but joy. And we wanted them to have a place that we called it the sanctuary of peace. And so I think that because we put that intention out there, what we think is what we create, we were very, very specific about that. You know, we share this in a six and a half page vision with every one of our teachers and every one of our staff members. And so that they can understand the detail of what it is we're trying to create and see if they align properly and then just use our kind of discretion and our intuition about whether this individual would fit well to be able to convey that. So yeah, just really a spirit of joy, of acceptance and one of a sanctuary of peace where people can feel a real respite from the craziness of the world. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I want to just reflect how it feels to me. And I, hearing Sanctuary of Peace, I wanna just stand for one other thing. I, it's not other, it's actually totally consistent with everything you just said, but there is a playfulness in that place mm-hmm. and in your business that I think it is part of accessibility or inclusiveness because if we don't take this all terribly seriously, then someone who is a beginner who has incredibly tight hamstrings can just walk in or strong, as I think you've helped your teachers explain, so we don't feel badly about having tight hamstrings. Anyway, can really just feel joy walking in without having to feel like, without meditating for an hour and a half before I arrive, I won't be welcome here. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It's, um, you know, yoga can be very intimidating. And your first time walking into a yoga studio, I mean, I remember my first time a long time ago, it is intimidating. You don't really know what to expect. And especially in Boulder, I, I, we've had so many people say, oh, I don't, I don't really know about taking classes in a public class in, in Boulder when the classes are crowded and everybody is doing so good in the poses and I don't even know what I'm doing, you know? And you don't realize that you kind of have to put your beginner's hat on and, and go back to that first class and go, oh yeah, it is intimidating. And so we remove that intimidation factor. Our teachers are just kind and they're patient and, and everybody is welcome. And so that vibe that you talked about, Sue, about being um, just really an uplifting and a, and a fun kind of vibe. That's exactly what we're what we're striving for, and what we're um, we're trying to achieve is just that all inclusive 
vibe, that all-inclusive um, feeling of anybody is welcome and we will show you the way. We will guide you and we will be there and walk you on your journey. Mm -hmm. Nice. It really comes through. All right. Before we talk about live streaming in the face of COVID, because that's really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about one other thing, which is you started with one studio. I think this, I have this right. You expanded that one studio in its current location to be much larger. And then you made a move essentially across a material commercial street to a new location with as big a studio space and even nicer amenities for members. That's my story. And they were really nice at the first location. I feel like you all have invested a lot of money in making things beautiful. And I don't see that everywhere I go. And I'm curious what your thinking has been because it adds a lot of risk. Yeah, there's tremendous risk, but we have a deep conviction about this, this vision. Yeah, you know, the, the plan was we would acquire something if it, if it was in alignment with the vision. Then we would expand it as we did, tripling the space. And then we would scale it. And we, we also didn't want to cut any corners on quality, whether it be with teachers foremost, but also just the aesthetics of the space. But we also wanted to keep it really streamlined and clean. And, um, and that's what we've been able to accomplish. But to answer your question, yeah, it's been quite the investment. And we put our whole, our whole life into this thing, our, all of our resources financially and emotional <laughs> yeah energetically <laughs> and um you know a lot of the blood sweat and tears into this because we we believe in it we love it we absolutely love it we love our students we love our teachers we love this community um it's really interesting you know we've been at it for a decade now and um after eight years at the original location the lease was up and we were getting um a lot of pushback from the landlord. Um, and so we decided that we wanted to move. We wanted to get into a ground level situation. We were fortunate to move across the street, as you know, Sue. And, um, and we, you know, we built a million dollar location. That's a million dollar studio. So we put a ton into it and love it. We, you know, that just being on the corner of Walnut and 30th is with 30,000 cars driving by every day. Um, we, we rolled the dice on that, but we realized that we had more visibility than ever. And that um, it was it was calculated risk, and very thankfully, very gratefully, it has turned out really, really well for us. Right. Sue, so I think I think our goal is for our students to feel like the yoga pod is their home away from home. We don't want it to just feel like a place where they come in and and throw down some poses or, or do a, a fitness class and and then walk out feeling refreshed. We want them to feel like that feels as good to them as they are when they're in their most comfortable space. So with that, you know, you want the amenities to be nice. You want the space to feel warm. You want the space to feel good and clean. And, and so we take great pride in all of those things so that our students do feel like they've, you know, they can take a deep breath when they walk in the door and feel like they've arrived home. That, that sounds like you're fulfilling that mission. Mm -hmm. I need to digress and tell you a 60 second best story that articulates what you just said. Okay. All right. So I pretty much never sit on those couches. I usually come, I go, whatever. And one day I sat on those couches and I talked to my best friend, Leah, after a class. And I said, I really want a different house. I don't think where I am is the right house. And she and I said, there's this one house and it's available. Would you please go look at it with me? We got in the car. This is, we had this long talk. We talked for 20 minutes about finding my soul's home in a house. We got in the car. We went to look at that house. It wasn't the right house. 
But we decided to just drive around a couple different blocks in the neighborhood. And I'm sitting in COVID quarantine in the house that we found from that weird drive because it had a sign out front that said coming soon. And I bought it before it went on the market. And we always think of those couches as the source of finding my first home. That is so wonderful. See the magical couches. <laughs> there you go. All right. So Thank it's you for early. Sure. Well, thanks for creating it. So it is early March. It's late February and things go crazy. I want, I'd love to hear the story of the pandemic, the awareness and the legal changes that had a real effect on your studio and what you did. Well, you know, we watch the news. We, we feel really important that, that we um, keep up with what's happening in the world um, and uh, so that we can be relevant and caring and empathetic with what's happening. So we did see it. We saw that this COVID thing was on the rise and, and we had great concern. We were always trying, at least striving to think ahead for the business and in our relationships and, and so on. And so um, when we saw the writing on the wall that this thing, this pandemic was was emerging and it was quite formidable, on Friday, the 13th of March, we had a meeting with our staff, with our management team. And it was basically a triage. We said, look, we know what's going to happen. We're going to, we're going to be forced to close. We're going to need to close whether we're forced to close or not. We need to be proactively protecting the safety and the health of, of all of us. So in that meeting, we laid out an action plan, very detailed action plan, uh, that we were going to go Zoom. We were going to live stream. We picked 15 classes per day that we thought were the most important primetime classes uh, on our schedule. We uh, invested in the, the hardware and software over the weekend. Uh, we worked hard. Our team worked hard. We worked long days that Friday evening, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. By Monday, we were ready um, at 8 a.m. for live streaming. That is, we, we purchased the equipment over the weekend. We set it all up. We tested it. We did a video training. We sent it out to the teachers that were going to be teaching on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday that week. So we started that with just the teachers that were on the schedule for those first three days to get the training to them. And we opened that Monday with our normal schedule, which is about 22 classes on a Monday. 15 of those were live streamed. So we were still open to the public. And then we were ready. <laughs> we were ready. And it happened that the following day, we actually closed to the public and we're already uh, in stride with the live streaming offering. So we give a lot of credit to our management team. Liz and Jan are extraordinary. They work tirelessly, work their butts off to, to uh, assist us in, in uh, executing on that strategy. And, and so we kind of didn't miss a beat. Um, and then since then, we've just been refining and upgrading. Uh, we've just made a significant financial investment into upgrading the hardware and software. Even as we speak, the installation is happening at our studio right now with better equipment, new processors, um, a whole new audio system, a camera system, video. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite the investment because we want best in class. We want state-of-the-art live streaming in perpetuity now. We're doing this forever. So our goal was to be ahead of this. So knowing that this was hitting, that, that, this, that this was hitting and we were going to have to close our studio, we wanted to be ahead of it so that our students didn't miss a beat. And that's one of the comments that we've received from a lot of our students is, 
thank you for being on it and starting live stream when you did because I didn't even miss a single class. So we weren't scrambling to try to figure it out after we had to close. We were already prepared. And as Jerry mentioned, we have just since um, been continuously upgrading the equipment and will continue to live stream into the future. It was amazing. I'm listening to you. So the, you had this meeting on March 13th. I think Boulder's stay-at-home order didn't take effect until March 26th. You were actually, March 13th was six days ahead of the Bay Area County stay-at-home orders that were March 19th. That's how far ahead of this you were. It's, it's really unbelievable. Yeah, Nicole calls me paranoid sometimes, but <laughs> you know, I like to say I just want, I just want to um, take on the responsibility of doing of, of, of trying to look ahead and doing the right thing and with a lot of people in mind. And um, so, yeah, it's a bit paranoid, but we, we just, we just really thought it was coming and we thought this was an opportunity. We also were thinking, okay, if brick and mortar shuts down, which we, it has the, the likelihood of yoga classes going online is going to be great. And it, it, it just commoditizes the offering, which had, we had great concern. So then we realized we got to be first, and then we have to be best uh, as far as quality goes. So that's what we're, we're striving to do, just to stay competitive in the market and, uh, and just keep our community together and keep our teachers employed. And we also kind of saw it coming, Sue. You know, we are, you know, our students were being a little bit more tentative about coming into the studio and coming into right. our space. Yeah, and they, you know, they were like, thank you. There's some of them were like, thank you so much for staying open. And we thought, are we being irresponsible here? We, we need to think about this. And that's when that Friday we decided we bought it, we better be proactive. By Monday, when we were actually still open, but just started our live stream kind of test um, model, um, it, the attendance was just nil. I mean, there was hardly anybody coming into the studio because everybody was starting to get a little bit more scared about being out in public. And then, and then Tuesday, our doors were closed. And so we got, you know, again, we got ahead of it and we're just really grateful that we had the opportunity. And as Jerry mentioned, our two amazing managers, um, Liz and Jan, who worked tirelessly to get us up and running and get it going by, by Tuesday, pretty seamlessly, I could say. And all of our amazing teachers who have shown their versatility, um, their ability to innovate, their their flexibility, their openness to change. I mean, I, we give huge kudos to the, they, they, you know, we talk about best practices as it relates to, okay, this is an entirely different facilitation, entirely different presentation, requires different skills, and, and all of them just adjusted so well, we're, we're blown away. It was, it was pretty, having witnessed it on the other side, it was really quite seamless. I agree. And I just want to point out here for people who are listening that there's quite a significant distinction between a live class that is being taught by video. And I don't want to diss a global company that happens to also be headquartered in Boulder, but video classes that are asynchronous. What was really meaningful to me at the beginning of COVID was to see all the people just to actually, even if they were in little Hollywood square squares, just to see other humans doing the same thing as I was doing, not to mention familiar teachers, was really meaningful as a point of connection in exactly the same way you talk about creating community in your brick and mortar locations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're grateful that we were able to still give our teachers a platform to share their gifts. And 
and our community of students the opportunity to still be enlightened by these teachers and still be able to move freely with these teachers and invite them virtually into their home to teach them in the, in the comfort and the safety and the privacy of their own home. So it's been just really a win-win for everyone and our teachers are heroes. Our teachers are amazing because it's not easy to walk into an empty room and teach a class to a screen, <laughs> you know? Like, right. you know, a lot of times we're filled up by when we walk into the room and, and our students fill us up and it's just like, ah, oh, it feels so good to be here. Well, when you walk into an empty room, those students aren't there, but our, our teachers are so good at connecting with their students still. You know, they'll look on the screen and, and comment about every single one of them on the screen and, and correct their alignment if they need to and, and give a shout out to their pets or whatever it is. And so it's just still that warm feeling of community and our students can see each other on the screen. So they're like, oh yeah, I'm always in class with Susie or I'm always in class with, with so-and-so. Right. And, and they're able to know that they're still part of community even, even from a distance. That's great. So I would like to ask a few questions about how it's worked out for you economically, because we've alluded to allowing your teachers to give their gifts. The other thing you've allowed them to do is to still earn money, which means a lot right now in this economy with a f almost 15% unemployment number coming out today. Uh, so I appreciate that and I'm sure they do. The other thing I just want to ask about is what's happened for your studio? I'm not going to ask you for exact numbers. I know that's private, but what are the trends you've seen with so many people losing their jobs? And I, I imagine you had some sort of reduction in membership. I'm not sure. And then you may have seen a shift as you introduced live streaming. Can you talk about that? Yes, certainly the business, the economics of the business have taken a very significant hit. But having said that, we are blown away by the loyalty of the vast majority of our student and our membership base. As, as, as it relates to our auto pay members, we've only declined about 25%. That's incredible. But the impact on top line revenue has been about 52%. So we've lost a little more than half, half of the business, which, um, you know, is actually a blessing, right? Because it could be obviously much worse. We lost all of our retail, of course, and we've lost all the impulsive buying, the, the drop-ins, those kind of things, new students, the introductory offers. You know, we're not selling any of that um, naturally. So um, we unfortunately haven't received any PPP funding either. Uh, that hasn't happened yet for us, which has been incredibly frustrating and disappointing. And the fact that the majority of our workforce are independent contractors, you know, our teachers are 1099s, um, initially, the PPP funding was supposed to support our payroll for our 1099s, and then the, the, the Department of Treasury changed that, and then we, we couldn't claim our 1099 teachers, which was bummer because we felt like it would be best for us to secure that funding to ensure that they got their pay. Right. And, uh, you know, you put that back in the hands of the government, and look what happened to the PPP piece of that. So that, that's been frustrating for us. We sent out a video to our teachers with some detailed instructions on how they could leverage as independent contractors, they could leverage the PPP. And some have been successful with that. We wish more um, were able to uh, take advantage of that. So that's been a little disheartening. But um, overall, we're, we're, you know, we're hanging in there. We feel quite blessed that we've had such an amazing uh, cohesion to our community. And, and so many of our students have stayed on. I mean, you know, some of our classes have been, you maybe see you participate in some of these, over 100 students in a class. And again, international, virtual students, and that's been incredible. 
So um, I think it's a testimony. We're, we're, we're humbled by this, but, you know, a decade of, of touching a lot of people um, and having the best teachers is now, you know, paying those dividends in, in, in time of crisis. We're, we're really grateful. And also it's a real blessing for those who, those students who um, have moved away you know, Boulder can be a transient place. You know, people come and go and often end up coming back um, and travel. You know, we, a lot of our students travel a lot, not right, not right now, of course, but, but the ability to be able to take classes if you have, if they have moved away and still be with their favorite teachers. You know, we have heard from so many students when they move or they travel and they say, I just can't find a studio like Yoga Pod Boulder. And we're so grateful to hear that. I mean, it really is, a, it's, it's truly a blessing to us to hear that. And now those students can, can practice again. I mean, they can practice with their favorite teachers and they can, um, they can feel a part of the community and they can actually see the yoga room that they're used to practicing in, you know? And it just brings, I think it just brings some, some comfort to them. So that makes us very happy. Yeah, there's no question. As you all know, I, I had gone to a punch card relationship instead of the auto pay membership just because I was dating somebody out of state. But almost immediately, once you started live streaming, it became a no brainer for me to become a member again because I was here, you know, I was just, I could, didn't matter where I was. So I've really benefited from that myself. It's one reason I wanted to talk to you. And as you see your business going forward, you've said, well, actually, before I ask that question, so. Yes, of course. You you didn't have a you know you didn't have a restaurant, so you have been able to retain a substantial percent of your membership. That's great, and I know re restaurants have done the same with takeout. But of course, it could have been worse. And still, you've made material investments in technology at a time when revenue was constricting. Mm -hmm. What's it take to do that as entrepreneurs? Hmm. Well, it certainly takes. Um it takes some guts, but look, it comes, it comes to, look, believe me, believe me, Sue, we've looked at each other and said, okay, we crazy. I mean, we talked to our financial advisor, our CPA, and you know, it's like cash is king right now. Right. So, um, but look, we are anticipating what the new norm might look like. We have to make the investment and in having the state of the art offering. And we're hoping and expecting that this new revenue stream coming from the live streaming is, is you know will continue to grow and become more and more formidable that perhaps um you know not not only overcome what we might lose with those that even when we reopen um will still be leery about coming into a to a yoga room with 60 students uh, in a hot class with, with heat and humidity and where we're sweating and we're breathing and you know we're, we're just you know just trying to anticipate so we feel like it's the it's the only thing we can do right now it's the smartest thing we can do right now to ensure that we've that we're you're making the proper investment to keep the business the vitality of the business and the, and the growth of the business as we kind of alluded to earlier you know quality is really important to us obviously and so if we were to slack on this live stream opportunity it, we wouldn't really be living up to what we believe in so so we felt that it was it there was a really a no-brainer it was um something that we needed to do was to upgrade the equipment so that we could offer the best quality and we're still working out those tweaks right now as the equipment is currently being installed this week and next week 
and then we'd be working out the kinks, but um, we're feeling really, really good about it. And that way the quality is still there and our students can still enjoy the experience that they're used to um, in the comfort of their home. And, and it, it's nice for us because we're able to, we're able to tell students, oh, listen, if you're not comfortable coming to the studio once we do open, which we don't know when that will be, um, when, if you're not comfortable coming to the studio, stay home. If you feel sniffly or you feel a little sick or you're not quite right, don't bring it to the studio. Let's stay, stay home, stay safe, but take your favorite class. Right. So we just feel really excited about the future. Right. Right. You know, we, we sought out the best audio video engineer we could find. And we sat down with him and said, look, this is what we want to do. What is it going to take? And when he, when he sent us the proposal and we, and we looked at the, at the invoice, we, we gasped. But, <laughs> but again, we just we looked at each other and it, without hesitation, so we, we know we have to do it. So we, we are. We have to give this alternative to people at such a crazy time. And so the vision is that uh, you will have eventually, when you're allowed to open or when you choose to open after that, uh, you'll have live people in the room. You'll still be able to conduct live streaming. So it'll be both. That's, that's correct. Yep, that's correct. So not every class on our schedule, because we when we um, when we closed, we had a, a schedule of about 120 classes a week. So it was a very robust schedule. We won't have all of those classes live streaming, obviously. We'll kind of probably, we're thinking, take the schedule that we have now of live stream, and that will continue to be our live stream classes, in addition to lives, <laughs> live bodies and, and our doors being open and students in, in the actual yoga rooms as well. Yeah. So as a sort of co-founding team, I'm an investor, and we always get very nervous when we talk to co-founders that are married or coupled, whatever they are. And I'm curious, have you had any disagreements around the steps that you've taken since all of this started? Hmm. Boy, um, no, I don't think so, because I just, whatever I say, Jerry disagrees with it. <laughs> I'm just teasing. That's, There's the wisdom right there. That's really a joke. But um, no, we really don't. I think that we try not to make decisions hastily. We try not to make um, decisions based on a knee-jerk reaction or an emotion. And we try to really stop and, and step back and think about it before we make a decision. And we've learned that through just our 15 years together. You know, I think one of one of the two of us always tempers the other if one of us gets a little bit um, flustered about something, and and that's always worked well for us. So I think it's the same with this process. I feel like we've we have not had a disagreement. We've stopped. We talked about it. We looked at you know we thought about our vision, kind of what we want, what we're seeking, and made the decisions you know based on that. And we made them very amicably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we often, when we're feeling um, a bit anxious, if the stress level is rising, we talk about a concept that we used to teach all the time and something we call DOT, an acronym for discipline of thought. So we both know that if, if that's happening, that we look at each other and, and, you know, we think, all right, let's discipline our thinking right now. And the DOT or the discipline of thought is always around the vision. We come back to the vision because if we stay true to the vision, and we discipline ourselves to um, executing on it, taking our time, then it brings, brings the, um, the anxiety down. Um, because we have a lot of confidence in the vision and we've got a decade of experience knowing that if we stay true to it, we stay consistent, that 
it's it's highly likely to work. So that really helps us. Um, so we lean on each other in, the, in those times. And now, I, you know, there really hasn't been any any disagreements at all. Mm-hmm. I can get a tenant to be a little more impulsive mm-hmm. than Nicole. And so she'll, <laughs> you're so you're wait you're paranoid and impulsive. That's yeah. an unusual yeah. combination. <laughs> yes, paranoid and impulsive, no doubt about it. So Nicole, you know, will, will you know pull the reins, and it's it's good that restraint. I realize is is really healthy. So. I think there's a, it's really an interesting balance. We were just talking about this earlier, actually. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think Jerry has always tended to be just a a very much um, an optimist and sometimes to an extreme. And I, and I love that, but then I'm more of a realist. So my, my kind of um, take on things sort of tempers his take on things. And then sometimes his take on things really helps me see the bright side when I get a little bit like, Ooh, a little scared about something. So it really has been, it really has good balance. Perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You all are funny in that you have an amazing range between really clear understanding of business dynamics and an ability to explain them in concrete terms, even though we haven't gone into specifics here. I know that you would have them if we did. And this big field around vision and mission, it's not very common to meet entrepreneurs that are able to nail both of those as well as it sounds like you all do. I'm impressed by that. Thank you. Thank you. So is there one piece of advice that isn't Pollyanna it isn't, you know, add a boy, add a girl. It's not that. But one piece of advice you would have for other entrepreneurs in sensitive <laughs> industries that might be listening to this, where they could benefit from this experience you've had of transition and adaption. Mm. You know, I'll, I'll answer and then I'll let Jerry answer mm-hmm. um, his thought. But, you know, the thing that kept coming up for me, and I think that the biggest thing that kind of kind of punched me in the gut when all this was coming about was um, what's going to happen to our teachers? You know, a lot of our teachers, they rely on, this is, this is their life. This is their livelihood. Uh, and, and they have no more of it. If we just close our doors, that was not even an option for us. Our, it was not an option for us to close our doors and just say, well, let's just get through this and then see what happens when we reopen. So, you know, for me, my first thought was, okay, our, our team, our staff, our teachers, we got to take care of them. We got to do something, you know, we're going to do this live stream. We're going to make sure we can still pay them. So I, my advice would be think about, think about what makes you who you are and take care of them in any way that you can. Even if it's just knowing that you're going to um, come back stronger than ever, have a place for them. But, you know, we don't, as entrepreneurs, you don't do it alone. You never do it alone. You always have a team with you that builds you up and lifts you up. So think about who those people are and, and take care of them and then just come through it even stronger than ever. That would be my advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, and you know, we're not doing enough. We're not doing enough for enough of our teachers, frankly, that's a, a big burden right now. Um, at 15 classes a day, we're not able to keep everyone on. Um, and, um, and that's been tough. So we're looking for ways to expand that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Nicole on that. And, and, I, and I would just say, gosh, you know, we, we just seek the expertise of others and reaching out to people that we know are smart and innovative, bouncing ideas. And, you know, if, if there's a thread of, of hope in some area of the business and we want to find out who knows the most about it. Um, and this morning we did a hike with 
a guy that's uh, an incredible journalist. We're, we're talking about more of an online presence and blogging and podcasts and uh, and how this guy could be a, a content developer for us and because he's an expert. And so when we throw out our ideas and we're brainstorming, we want to get wisdom from a multitude of counsel. And I think that is some important advice right now. Try not to you know, take the weight of the world mm-hmm. on your shoulders alone. Um, reach out. There's a lot of people that are, are really smart and that are really gracious um, and that have a lot of empathy and compassion at times like this. And, um, and so don't go it alone and um, get that advice. And then the, the unifying the, the ideas and the mind share is, um, is really productive. So I would, uh, I would offer that advice. Thank you. That's great. Uh, it's a great note to end on as well. And I also want to share the other side of that advice, which is if you're sitting in your community and you have an expertise and it's in content development or legal or live streaming and technology or AV or marketing, and you know that the businesses around you that you've really been a fan of are suffering, reach out and offer your expertise so you can create exactly the flywheel that you two have been so good at creating. Mm-hmm. And on that note, I just want to thank both Nicole and Jerry. Thank you so much for joining us on the Real Leaders Podcast. It's been wonderful just to have this chance to talk to you. And I want to let everyone know that you can find YogaPod Boulder at www.yogapod.com slash boulder. That's where this live streaming is happening. And it's not at everybody's houses. They are bringing in a socially distanced way, a teacher in using the equipment that Jerry and Nicole referred to and live streaming wherever you happen to be. So be a part of it. It's a really, really special, special set of teachers and climate even online. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by leadership.camp. You can find out more about our mini camps, our leadership camps, our couples camps at www.leadership.camp. Thanks again for stopping by and we'll see you next time on the Real Leaders Podcast with Sue Heilbronner. Thanks, Jerry and Nicole. Thanks very much, Sue. Thank you.